Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Catherine Nibbs, international educator, author, and TEDx speaker. Today we're going to be discussing some quite hefty topics that affect many people throughout our organisations, and that is around trauma. We're going to be talking about how to work with our own trauma all the way through to if we're a line manager or a colleague that wants to support our members of our team, what we can do to be able to support them in the most effective way. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Hey, Catherine, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Harry? Good. Very well, thank you. Very well. Um, so to start with, I'd love our listeners to just know a little bit more around you and the work that you do. Could you just provide a, a very short introduction, if that's possible? Yes. So I know that this is a short podcast, so I will basically use terms which people can Google afterwards if they really want to. But I am a trauma psychotherapist. I am a consultant in online harms, and that's my PhD and, and research area. And I'm also a functional health practitioner. And my, my pretty much overall, I'm looking at trauma, whether I'm looking in any of those directions. Thank you. Um, and that's a really short way of you doing it, because I know how many qualifications you've got behind you as well. Um, but going into the main part of today's discussion, one of the things I really wanted to explore was the topic of trauma. And there are so many different types of trauma that employees and, and individuals can face. One of the things I'd love to do is just break down what is trauma to begin with. So at the moment, there is quite a bit of a buzz, especially on social media, about this particular issue, trauma, and what it means and, and how it's described. And one of the difficulties we've got when we use the language around uh, trauma is... Often you can see trauma described in the medical literature. So you might go to hospital and trauma relates to the depth of a wound, the length of a wound, the time that somebody's been bleeding, all the way through to what we call interpersonal trauma. And then we have environmental types of trauma, such as earthquakes um, and things like that. But trauma isn't necessarily the event. And, and that's how most people perceive it. It's the event that happened. It was when I was mugged. It's not necessarily the event, it's how the person makes sense of it, how their nervous system adapted to that event in the first instance, and then whether they were able to manage that event going forward. And often this is how and why post-traumatic stress uh, evolves out of the event, and it's to do with how a person perceives their ability to survive. And, you know, in, in lots of trauma literature, we can have what we call little T's, which are those small, pernicious little um, digs and jibes, uh, all the way through to the big T, such as, um, you know, the, the really terrible things that happen to children, to adults and environmental disasters. And, and when it comes to trauma and supporting employees, because there's such a, a vast array um, of different types of trauma, how can people leaders, even employees on the ground and colleagues, support their um, their peers within the workplace if they have experienced trauma? The the best approach, and especially when I'm working with, um, so I'm I'm working in and around the uh, West Yorkshire Adversity Trauma and Resilience Framework, and what we're trying to do is educate the people from the top so that we're doing like the tertiary system we educate the people at the top but we also educate people at the bottom one one of the things that that comes out of much of the literature is trauma is about making space and that space is uh, an open interpersonal uh, compassionate empathic and value-based 
space, which is absolutely fantastic because that sounds like what HR are always aiming to, to do. But again, having the knowledge about what kinds of trauma exist and how to manage and, and maybe even, and I don't want to say spot the signs of it because it's not always easy to spot, um, but being able to manage what's happening with your staff from high levels all the way down to the individual, you know, that the, the, maybe somebody who's a, a you, I don't know, working from home, singular um, practitioner or somebody within the workspace. And being able to do that means that the people at the top have to take into account human behaviour, human development. And given what you've got across Champion Health, trauma covers almost every single section. And certainly with the work that I do, I can work with people all the way down to um, cellular functioning in terms of what's going on with them on a functional level, their nutrition, their sleep, their diet, all the way through to how they're managing themselves on a day-to-day -day basis. So again... You know, somebody with trauma may well be very, very good at hiding it if it's an interpersonal type of trauma and being able to have those skills at the, the top level, so to speak, enables you to open that space up for people to come in. And of course, that's how we actually support people in trauma, because there's a wonderful, wonderful um, piece of research and finding, which is with trauma, if we can have one person who can meet our needs, who sees us, who can value us and validates our experience, that generally is enough to help somebody out of that, that space where they couldn't manage. And again, you know, knowing that it's just one person is incredibly important. I think that's a really uplifting message and in, in, in what is quite a tricky topic to, to discuss. For those individuals that may say, Okay, I've spotted the warning signs may be hard to spot, but I've mm -hmm. spotted changes in behavior and the individual's not um, necessarily acting the, the way that they normally would. But they're worried they maybe make the problem worse, for example, when it comes to trauma. What would be your response to that individual and where can they signpost to? Yeah, well, I mean, ooh, what a good question, complicated question. And also one that I think is is I think the fear about talking about trauma is one of the biggest issues we have. It's very similar to the conversations about suicide, conversations about self-harm. And what often happens is people think, well, I will make it worse. So I'd really rather not say anything than say something that could make a mistake or, or make things worse. Now, often what people really appreciate are, and I find this very similar with the, the children who are uh, disabled or who have uh, impairments, what, what they actually say within the therapy room and what tends to be in the literature is, if you ask and you make a mistake, we can correct you. And much more often than is uh, considered... Just having the conversation is often the space where a person goes, <sighs> and it's almost a, that, that well, it is a visceral sigh of relief. And if you noticed, uh, my shoulders moved and, and it becomes a relaxed posture. Somebody is then able to say, I have the space to talk about this. The fear of somebody having a trauma and thinking I can't talk to somebody is possibly more silencing and shaming than the other way around. So certainly conversations that make a difference conversations that matter are those where we do ask the questions and if you if you if you ever I mean I know you you kind of commented on this before we even started today I do ask people how they're doing and I wait for the answer we're very good at pastiming in this country you know how are you I'm fine I'm good you know as it is 
and we don't sit around to listen and listening is probably the biggest intervention that anybody can have and I don't know about you Harry but certainly um, I'm I'm lucky that part of my training involved I had to have mandatory therapy in order to, to work through my issues so I never got in the way of the client but having somebody to listen is the most important factor for any kind of recovery progress and this is why coaching psychology mindfulness is there because often we are talking to the person, whether it's with our body, with our nonverbal communication, or whether we're using words. So again, I would certainly say the signposting, um, there are many different types of trauma training around. So, you know, HR departments can bring in um, people like myself, people like some of the trainers that exist. But also, there is a plethora of books at the moment. The best one being The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And I say it's the best one because it's the most popular. And what Bessel did was put together about 30, 40 years of research and put it all into one book. And mostly it's written for the average person, not a high-end academic. So certainly my go-to book that I hand out to a lot of my clients, a lot of the people I'm working with, especially if I'm, uh, for example, going into police forces and training them, will be that book. It's, it's, the, it's known as the Bible. But also there's a lot of other books for practitioners. There's a lot of books for people working with political um, trauma, people working with racist trauma. It's it's just there is an absolute huge amount of literature out there. And, you know, $9.99 for a book is probably not that much of a, an expenditure on the, on the end of the year accounts. And earlier on, you mentioned interpersonal trauma um, and you also mentioned environmental trauma. I'd love to explore that a little bit more in terms of what we've faced as a not just a country but um, on planet earth the last couple of years with covid what impact has that had um, and each individual case will be different but the micro traumas that have appeared across the last few years especially um, seem to be uh, seems to be having a big effect on people now yeah at times i have re- referred to um, the lockdowns and, and covid as a collective trauma because again our bodies were under threat and, and the actual threat we couldn't see. It was a, it was a, a virus and viruses, uh, you know, we can't see with the naked eye. But also, and this is veering into my cyber trauma stuff now, one of the difficulties was is because the governments didn't know what to do and were worried themselves, there was a fear-mongering that happened and that came from a place of fear in itself anyway. And then we had the social media kind of influence so what happened was something that I often refer to uh, especially if I'm talking to my supervisor or or, um, people within my profession we talk about death anxiety and death anxiety has presented in children it's presented in adults it's presented in people not knowing whether their business is going to be there the following day that's an incredible amount of pressure it increases um, stress to the point that that can have a physiological impact that physiological impact can result further down the line in uh, issues related to autoimmune disease, posture. It It can result in some of the big problems that we face in terms of death itself. COVID has had an impact on people with long COVID. It's also resulted in deaths and crisis and more stress. I'm really not selling this, am I, in terms of making it sound like it was a great process, However, what I've also noticed is that people also took it as a space and time to 
reset in terms of what do I want out of my life? What is important? What do I want to do for a career? Who can I go to for support? Who matters to me? Who stayed connected with me? And that gave people much more of a, a drive to change their lifestyles. Uh, so I've seen both sides of um, the positive and negative of uh, lockdowns. However, we do know that more children died during uh, lockdown within the United Kingdom than most of the years previously in terms of the serious case reviews. Um, we know that domestic abuse increased. So we do have potentially further crises to think about. However, I do see that people have been able to have a really good self-caring time to make priorities their main priority. And, and for me, there's, there's been both sides of it. Yeah, you've really opened up my eyes to to a lot of um, a lot of areas that we need to be looking at as an organisation and um, and also uh, for for our clients and our members as well. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Twelve Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. You're welcome. This I love this conversation. So you know, <laughs> I'm glad we managed to get it in. Thank you. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.